Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Listen, if you have not heard Susie Larson before, you are in for a treat. We had such a rich conversation and um, this is the first interview where I actually cried and Susie and I were both very vulnerable about how hard this last year has been on us in different ways. And um, I know there are many of you listening that can relate to that. So I trust that this conversation is going to meet you right where you're at, encourage you, equip you, point you to Jesus. And you know I love sharing about the various resources I have. I've shared about my Tangled course, my Ready to Rise course, and I have something new, especially for moms in this season. And it's for a short window to sign up. So I wanna tell you about it this week. The doors open November 1st and they close November 7th. It is a membership group for moms called Mama Get Your Life Back. And I am so excited to really dive into this unique faith-based community for like-minded women. And we are going to have a monthly time where we gather on Zoom to connect, to pray uh, for some group coaching. We also are going to have a guest expert come in once a month. So if you have enjoyed listening to some of the women that have been on my podcast, we're actually going to get to talk to them one-on-one Zoom with a live Q&A. So women who are experts in parenting and organization and things that um, all of us need a little bit of help with, they are going to come in. We're going to have a guest expert once a month as well for right now. I have a buy one, get one free, a buy one, pay it forward for you and a friend. So if this is something where you want to gift to maybe a woman in your life who either isn't used to investing in herself or uh, maybe just can't swing it this month or a single mom that you know uh, that you'd love to be part of this community. This is going to be beta pricing. And just for this launch, it is a buy one, pay it forward. And that person will have six months free in this membership. So you can sign up. There is a link in my bio on Instagram. There also is a link right in the show notes that will take you where to sign up to get on the wait list. If you are listening after November 7th, I'm really sorry, but sign up anyways on that wait list because I will be able to let you know the next time the doors open. You also get all the other information um, that is just going to be happening within that community. But I want to do this because I think when moms thrive, everyone else can too. So I am excited to come alongside you wherever you are at and um, begin to help you, not just in your motherhood, but really in in who you are, who you've been created to be. Often in motherhood, we we lose who we are. We forget or we feel like, I don't, I don't even recognize the person I am in the mirror. And we begin to try to find that person. And what I have found is that person is, is gone. But there's actually a new woman in front of me, a woman that is becoming. And that's the person that I want to help women come alongside and see who God really has created them to be in this season of their motherhood. And really, if you listen to the intro of this podcast, and I talk about being overwhelmed with laundry, we're going to talk about stuff like that too. It's going to be very practical. How do we deal with the practical and the mundane while also diving deep into our hearts? What are the things that we long for? What are the things that we felt like we've really had to push to the side. And so we want, we're going to talk about all those things inside this community. But if you want to hop on um, or hop into this community, click the link in the show notes. Well, let's dive into the conversation I had with the lovely Susie Larson. 
Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am sitting here with the lovely and beautiful Susie Larson. She is always glowing whenever I get a chance to see her. She is an author, a speaker. She's the host of a daily radio program, Susie Larson Live. She is a wife, a mom, a grandma, and this is her second time on Ready to Thrive. I had her on last December sharing about her incredible devotional, Prevail. And when I saw Susie had an Advent devotional coming out, I wanted to get her back on the show. So Susie, I'm honored that you're joining me again, and I'm excited to talk about your Advent devotional, Prepare Him Room. So for those for those people who didn't get a chance to hear our last episode, can you tell me a little bit about yourself before we dive in? Well, first of all, you are a treasure to my heart. I do a lot of these interviews, but you're just someone I just love and am so connected Aww. with. You are truly a sister of my heart. So it's an honor to be back with you again. Yeah, so this spring, uh, my hubby and I will celebrate our 37th wedding anniversary. We have three grown sons in their 30s, all married. Our youngest, uh, in the next few weeks, uh, he and his wife will have their third child. So they'll be three grandbabies. Our oldest and his wife have battled infertility for about five or six years and that's a deep and profound heartbreak for us and for them and it's something we're really praying about and um i uh let's see my husband's a commercial construction manager by day so he builds stadiums and large hospitals so he's an infrastructure oversight guy so he also kind of uses those same amazing skills to run the ministry for us and then i work my days in radio talk radio and uh, I also write, as you say, and uh, then we speak and I speak and we travel together, you know, being at this age and stage of life and marriage and just knowing other uh, women who are out on the road speaking while their husbands are home and seeing what happens um, in marriage with that, we're just not willing to go out apart. So, uh, and because I'm an introvert and because he's got a pretty significant day job as do I, we keep the speaking on a pretty short leash, um, but I'm still, we're still out kind of a lot, I will admit, but there's something very powerful about grabbing a woman's shoulders and, and touching her face and praying for her. And so we see a great blessing of ministry in that realm as well. So, so grateful to be with you again, hon, and yeah. thanks for having me. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for being on. And I, I would encourage people to listen to the episode that Susie uh, was on last time, even if you heard it before. Sometimes I will re-listen to episodes. Maybe I've talked to somebody and then that show airs a few weeks later and I'll listen to it and I'll go, whoa, like that was so encouraging. So I know you'll be encouraged by that episode as well. And Susie shares a little bit more about um, really her um, kind of where she started and where she came from. Can you give us just a quick snapshot of um, a little bit of your story as we begin to dive in? Absolutely. So I was raised in a large family in a particular denomination where I knew God was real, but I did not know Jesus was accessible. If I can just, that's the simplest way I can say it. I had a sense of God's presence as a child, uh, but I just didn't understand the gospel that wasn't preached, that wasn't taught, and there was no youth group or any Bible studies or anything like that. And uh, when I was about nine years old, I experienced a trauma at the hands of some teenage boys, a sexual trauma. I was pinned down, and I won't get into more than that, but I, I got up from that um, very confused about what had happened and whose fault that was. And did I do something to bring that on? And so I didn't tell anybody about that till I was about 18 or 19. And then when I was 10 years old, I was walking home from school and I was jumped by a group of boys, teenage boys, and they beat me real bad. And that was an incredible trauma. I mean, it just, they laughed wildly as they kicked and punched and pulled fistfuls of hair. And I'm curled in a ball screaming and crying. And when I got up from that trauma and they walked away laughing, um, I heard in my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And so at that moment, I knew God was real, and I knew the devil was real, and fear entered my soul. And I have battled fear my whole adult life. If you jump ahead, uh, when I got married in my young 20s to a man who had been raised in the church, I'd come to Christ in about eighth grade, but was sort of covertly walking with God just because of my particular denomination. And so when I got married, I had a lot of passion about, you know, Jesus and purpose and calling going, I'm finally free to run hard after God in the way that I want to. And uh, we got pregnant right away in our honeymoon, unbeknownst, it just sort of that happened. And in that pregnancy, 
the Lord used that pregnancy to show that I had endometriosis. And they said, you will have a hysterectomy in your 20s. So if you want more kids, you got to have them now. So I had number two, Lukey um, was on bed rest for three months with him. And then with pregnancy number three, Jordan, I went to bed rest uh, at three months, had to have my cervix sewn shut and was in bed for six months with a one and a three-year-old. And, you know, as a person with past trauma, I really did, you know, and I'll say the women, I think off, I think guys do this actually as well, but when we don't know who we are, really, when we don't know, it's one thing to know you're saved. It's another thing to know you're loved. And when you don't know you're loved, you'll miss use your time, treasure, and talents to prove something that Jesus has already proven. And I, I just did that in high school as a gymnast and, you know, cheerleader. I just, I kind of used athletic ability and different things to try to dig myself out of the hole that I really believe that I was in. And so once I was a young mom, I, as a Christian, I just sort of transferred that performance into the church. And so I was on five committees and serving every which way. So to go to bed for six months was a nightmare come true because not only could I not earn my way, but I was exhausting my friends. I mean, they were bringing meals and I could see the fatigue and it confronted every insecurity in my, in my soul. And God was using that time to kind of clear the table to show me some cracks in my foundation, but I didn't, you know, stop there about six months uh, along in my pregnancy. So I've been in bed for three months and I literally was like only three more months till mommy can take you to the park and only three more months till I can make you your sandwiches. And it was just like, it was so hard and God seemed so silent. And one day the doctors let me get up and just sort of test the waters. I was getting kind of depressed from just being stuck to on the couch. And um, I met my old college roommates on a fall day, just, you know, like we're here today and um, uh, went for a walk, had lunch, were really careful, but by nighttime I was contracting again. So I just, they just like, no, nah, you can't do that. So within two weeks of that outing, a friend had visited and I pointed for my water bottle and pins and needles shot out my arm. And then this buzzing, crawling feeling started at the base of my skull. And it just was a pulsating numbness that kind of came around and was started to kind of like, like a blood sucker on my face, just buzzing, pulsating numbness and dizziness. And I still had three months to go in this pregnancy. I could not believe God was allowing an overlapping crisis for me. And uh, I knew a woman in our church who had was a young athlete as well and had MS. And I watched her tremors as she would walk down the hall. And the enemy, the spirit of fear was so significant because I'm like, I, I can't do that. I can't believe this is happening. And so they had these neurological mysterious symptoms sort of were up and down and all over the place. And long story short, a year later, after they ruled out brain tumor and MS, uh, it was the dare tick got me my one day up and I contracted Lyme disease. And there was the lie again, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And it was sort of in that place where God started to teach me how to contend for the promises of God. It was devastating. I got Lyme disease, I army crawled. I still deal with chronic health issues. I'm not anywhere where I used to be, but I had a pretty massive relapse about six years ago. And working my way through that. So it's not been easy, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm a fighter and God has made a warrior in me. I would have been, I'm the poster child for the passage. It says he chooses the foolish to shame the wise. Those who are weak to shame those who are strong. Those who are not to nullify the things that are. That was me all the way. Fearful, anxiety, anxious, insecure, sick. I mean, there's just no reason that I should even be able to do any of what I do when I think of where I've come and even the stuff I, I deal with on a daily basis, but I'm so grateful. Susie, thank you for sharing. Every time I've heard you share your story, I am amazed at all that you've had to walk through, um, but also amazed at how God has, how much God has brought you through. Um, and even as you say that idea of, being a fighter. Cause I think in this season that we feel like we are, um, going to be taken out many times. I think this year it's funny. Cause you know, we joke about like 2020 was hard. I think for many people, 2021 has been way harder and it has been that like 2020 that was kind of wearing you down and 2021, it's almost like, Hey, I've been in the ring. I got punched it actually might feel nice just to stay down, right? Like it, there can be that feeling of like, and I say for myself, it's like, 
I'm just going to crawl back into bed actually, or I'm going to, I'm going to give up on that thing. Like you talk about contending. It's like contending is hard and you, you use this word overlapping crisis. And that was highlighted to me because that I think is where we're at right now, where we collectively have been walking through this crisis and then life has all of these things that all of us are carrying that we're not sharing as we say, Hey, how's it going? Like, well, I'm good. But it's like, well, actually my, you know, son and daughter-in-law have been battling infertility for five years. And I've shared on here my own story. I told Susie at the tissues, um, of miscarriage this year. I've shared on the podcast and like other things that people are like, what does it look like to have an overlapping crisis? And, you know, if we, and I'm, I'm actually, it's funny because I knew grabbing the tissues, I knew I was going to cry today, which I don't know that I've cried on the podcast. Um, but because I know there are people who need it because I know there are people who feel the same way, who feel like I feel weary. I feel discouraged. I feel disappointed. I feel like I want to give up on my faith. I want to give up on my family and whatever the, the thing is that, um, that you're feeling right now. And I know as Susie shares, like she, she gets it. Yeah. It's been a hard year for her as well. Um, she doesn't need to tell me. It's just that we, we have these things. And so I really want to speak to that woman who feels like, yeah, I'm weary. And God, where, where are you? You seem silent or this just feels too hard. I don't know if I want to contend anymore. Um, Susie, how have you, how have you, learn to contend? How have you been fighting in this season? First of all, I just want to wrap my arms around you and tell you I'm so sorry about the miscarriage. And you're so right. There's been multiple losses. And uh, and I'll just be honest, uh, with this last six years of relapse, at last December, it, it went to a new feverish pitch. In December to June, I could barely function. I, I did everything I could to get through my afternoon show, but I, the surges of symptoms of my heart beating out of its chest, different beats numbing up my neck and down my jaw that looked like a stroke. I felt like I was living constantly with a gun to my head. Like one of these neurological surges is going to turn into a stroke and the fear and the disappointment and the heartbreak. I can't even, and the terror of walking the floor night after night, quoting scripture, trying to take deep breaths as things are going absolutely awry in my heart and in my nervous system. So I, I want, I'm, I, w I just miss the days of hugging. I miss the days of holding people. I just pray for, you know, just that God would stretch his hand out against this stupid virus and he would bring a wave of healing. There's so many things I want to say. And if I could just sort of go and interrupt me if you need. But I think one of the reasons I'm so passionate about about Advent this year, I mean, I love Christmas. I love, love, love Christmas. And I, but I will say that um I think it, the temptation is when you've had a hard year to look forward to the holidays, to set aside the hurts and numb out with the festivity. And what we do then is we're trying hard not to feel the stuff that God wants to heal. And what happens then is we exit this year and we enter the next year overfed, over drinking, over spending, over this, over that, and we're lethargic and we're toxic. And we're like, now I feel worse than I did before. But true Advent, what it means is arrival. It means coming. And in, in generations past, Christians would use the previous four Sundays to fast and pray in preparation of preparing their hearts for the first time Jesus came to earth as a baby. But for us as believers, his return, his arrival, his second coming is nearer than it's ever been before. And, and the temptation, I think, for us as believers is to do what the rest of the world is doing, going, I just got to throw caution to the wind. I just got to, I need to enjoy a party. And you know, there's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting. There is, that's true. But when you think about what are you trying so hard not to feel, um, those are the things that God wants to heal. And, and if you don't mind, if I jump ahead to this, this story, it might be, uh, we were maybe going to talk about this toward the end, but I feel like I'm supposed to talk about it now, but 
you know, most of my crises happen around Christmas time, which is so hard because I love Christmas. My birthday is a week before Christmas, which I would not recommend if you have anything yeah. to say about when yeah, you're born. Totally. Don't be born a week before Christmas. But but I still love the season. And our early years were just marked by crises and so much medical debt. And I know in Canada, I, that's I, when I shared this, when I've spoken in Canada, they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. But, uh, you know, we I you know, this was I don't know, 30 years ago, twenty seven thousand dollars of medical debt. That was a lot then. That's a lot now. It was catastrophic for us then. And we were on the verge of losing our home and bill collectors calling. And yet, and my friends, I know they had their problems, but they had their health and they had their wealth. And so the contrast was stark. And I think one of the things around Christmas time, when you're dealing with the kind of stuff you're talking about, these unrelenting overlapping crises, and you see other people kind of skating, it's like their best time, it's their best season. And then you see the Christmas commercials, which just kind of mock your pain. I mean, I just lived in that place Christmas after Christmas thinking this is going to be the year. And I somehow developed an unhealthy Christmas fantasy that one of these Christmases, mine was going to look like that commercial. I mean, seriously, this is embarrassing to admit, but I was like, my kids are all going to be wearing Christmas clothes and we're going to have a tree because we had a little Charlie Brown tree and I'm going to bake cookies and they're all going to be the same size. And I'm going to feel like I have my health. And just for one Christmas, at least I'm going to have that Christmas. And it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. And there was one spring when Kep's parents gave us this giant artificial tree to replace our pathetic artificial Charlie Brown tree. And I'm thinking, and I, and my health started to seem like it was shifting that fall. And I thought this is going to be my year. And so it's embarrassing, but let, let me just go with it. So, so the day came when it was time to put the tree up and I was baking cookies. The kids were beside themselves with excitement. And Kev has this little habit that he does when he's blown it, afraid he's going to disappoint me or whatever. He does this thing with this, he rubs his nose. And I'm like in my glory in the kitchen and I speak out into the living room because the kids are flipping the tinsel everywhere. I'm like, how's it going? And he rubbed his nose. And I'm like, oh, what's the matter? What's the matter? And he knew that like it, I had this ridiculous fantasy, you know, and he's like, well, it seems that when I spring cleaned last year, I threw away a good portion of the big tree and a portion of the little trees. So I've just got portions of trees and I know. And so he's like wanting to make it right. He's like, honey, it's going to be okay. Just get me my screw gun and son, go get me my extension cord. And he turns this into this construction zone. And they they went from singing about tinsel to sawdust, you know, and by this time it's, it's bedtime and he's drilling holes and trying to make, and it was a disaster. Our kid, our living room was a disaster. So I kiss him on the head. I put the kids to bed and I said, honey, we don't, we don't need a tree this year. It's really okay. And I was sort of used to disappointment. I just was. And I, I wasn't blaming him, but I was just sort of, this is sort of how my life goes. I'm, I really must be a have not. And my friends really must be haves, you know, in the middle of the night, uh, I woke up and Kev wasn't there. And I went out into the living room to a perfectly clean living room. And my husband was sitting in front of a perfect medium tree. And he was holding the control to the lights like it was a control to a race car set. And I came up behind him and he just said, as he heard me come, because I was going to make it rotate, but I thought I should stop while I'm ahead. And I, I, I heard the Lord whisper, Susie, I see through your mess. I, I am writing a story you can't fathom and it will take your breath away. I see just as Kev saw through the mess and had a vision for what was possible. I have a vision for your life. I see what's possible. I know what I'm doing with you. And I crawled into his lap and I just wept. And I'm like, I hate being the person who's a mess. And I hate being the person who's a project that needs to be fixed. But I'm not a project that needs to be fixed. I'm a story that's in the process of being redeemed. And I say that to say the person listening, this is why it's so important. I mean, have your parties, have your fun, but do not numb out so that you don't feel the pain that God wants to heal. This is the time to create space, to enter into this holy season going, you know, when Jesus came to earth as a baby, People were being crucified outside the city. There was Roman oppression that was so evil and, and dictatorial. And people were wondering, is there any hope for us? I mean, Jesus came in the most uncommercialized way possible. He came for the poor. He came, was born in a cave and was laying into a trough. I mean, you think about, we've commercialized the holiday. There was nothing commercial 
about when he came. And and this Christmas story isn't old news. It's it's now news. It's good news. It's the gospel. It's not just a holiday message. It is God's kingdom came to earth. And I and I fear, you know, one of the things I've been hearing from on my show as I'm talking to a lot of leaders every day behind the scenes off the record, they're saying people are not re-engaging in church. That with the quarantine, they sort of you know stopped coming and then they just stopped engaging. So quarantine is one thing, but disengagement and they're saying some of our most significant leaders are just like, you know, I started watching online and then I thought, well, I can watch this church. And then I instead of four times a week, it's twice a week and now I don't really watch it all. The drip, the drift has happened. And this is a season, and it is so important that the church arise, that the church re-engage. And though Jesus promised us uh, an abundant life, I would submit that it doesn't just come automatically because we have an enemy who his aim is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you have life and life abundantly. And how we deal with our disappointments, how we deal with our blessings, how we deal with our freedoms, how we deal with some of our lack of freedoms, all of it has eternal implications. And Jesus himself said in the gospels, if I come and if I find you about my father's business, I will put on an apron myself and I will serve you. And Jesus said, when I return, it will be as in the days of Noah. People are partying, getting drunk, doing the wedding thing and whatever. And you know what? What, what about that is like today? Well, people don't want to feel. Why, why do people in the days of such chaos and crisis get drunk and, and practice kind of debauchery or overindulgence, whether it's, you know, and, it, and yours might not be drugs or alcohol. And I'm not trying to be a legalist here. I'm not saying a Christian can't have a glass of wine, but you know the difference between between freedom and indulgence to the point where you're trying to numb out. Maybe it's buying or scrolling, whatever your thing is. When you're trying hard not to feel, you're missing an opportunity to heal. And that's what I'm talking about. If you could create space for God to say, this has been hard. I will tell you some of the disappointment that I have felt in this last year. I mean, at this age, to be dealing with the stuff I can't even express to you how disappointing and how hurt I was, especially during that six month stretch where it took me three naps just to get through my afternoon show every day. I just like, how long, oh God, I know you're a healer. I know you're a healer. How is there anything I'm missing? And I even had someone say to me, a leader at your level should have enough faith to be healed. And I'm like, I know God heals. My son had a medical, Jordan had a medical miracle healing. I know God heals. I don't understand the mystery around, around what has happened with me, but I know I'm better for the fight. I know I know his word better and I know him better. And um, when it's all said and done, I want him to get the glory from my life. And I want to know his word in a way that makes the devil sorry he ever messed with me. And I honestly think if God would have healed me right away all those years ago, I still would have had an infrastructure for sickness, for insecurity, for fear. And so uh, and I think we've built unhealthy infrastructures for coping. And I think it's the crisis, it's the storm, it's the wine press that reveals some of those infrastructures that need to come down so God can do something new and so he can increase our capacity for him. So I, I've said a lot here, but hopefully that oh. has been helpful. Oh, so good. Um, and even what you were saying at the end, I was thinking about how <clears throat> they did this study, I don't know if it was in the 80s, with this biodome. And they had these, they were planting greenery, so they had trees and the trees would grow, but they would fall down because they didn't have the wind. And so they, they weren't being strengthened and how as much as we hate it, we hate being in crisis. We hate having a storm. It really is that resistance. It's the storm that, um, can take us out or it can strengthen us. And I, so I think there is, um, there's so many things that come in those hard places that are invitations to heal and be strengthened if we lean in. And I had this, um, story from years ago, one of my children, um, struggled with constipation and going to the bathroom and, um, she would, resist doing the thing that she needed to do. And so it was that moment where it's like your body's telling you 
you need to go to the bathroom, but she would clench up and get tight and resist. And so it was, for me, it was helping her. And I basically was trying to coach her and say, you need to lean in and you need to go do that thing that it's, it, it's going to be a bit painful because it's been a while, right? Like it's going to be painful, but it's the thing you need to do. And that's, it's, it's not natural for us to lean in to the pain or to lean into those places, but that's the thing. And I love the way you said it. It's the not wanting to feel what God wants to heal. And so, you know, it's leaning in, this hurts, this is uncomfortable, this is painful. And in those places, it's not that God's mean and he's like, I want you to feel this pain, but this like, I actually want to lead, lead you to this place of healing. And I love in the Passion Translation, um, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, um, it's this search me, God, like know my heart. But it in the Passion Translation, it says, I invite your searching gaze. It's this invitation. Like I'm inviting you into these hard places, the places that I actually maybe don't even see myself. So I'm inviting all of the you to expose the junk, get the junk out of, out in the open. And then it says, and lead me into the back into this path of peace. And he's like, I want to help expose the junk for your healing, for your freedom. And I think that's the, it's such a strange mystery that God leads us through these hard places and it is a refining that he brings us to the other side. And that even you would stand here and say, you know, I, I probably you would say, I wish I had been healed, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, 30 years ago, I wish I'd been healed right away. Yet in this place of contending in this hard place, he is doing something inside of me that is valuable, that, um, you know, is is worth in many ways so much more. And so each person, as you're listening and you are walking through that pain, what does it look like to, as Susie's saying, lean in, lean in with him instead of the, the numbing or the escaping. Um, there's a woman I had on my show, maybe a year and a half ago or so. Um, she wrote a book called stay. And, um, I remember reading her book and that, that has come to mind many times when I've felt like, I want to leave, right? And we, and we don't just leave physically, we leave mentally and we leave emotionally. And what does it look like to stay and to press in and that that it really is an invitation um, from him. I also love that you, you share this phrase. You said you had an unhealthy Christmas fantasy. And I think that can even go beyond Christmas where we can have in some ways just an unhealthy fantasy life right and well, we yeah one yeah. of the things i want to tell you is that you know god's power to deliver does not apply to our unrealistic expectations his power to deliver is for our impossible situations and that's why we've got to discern the difference between the two of them and you know one of the things that i think is very key as we're getting ready as we're preparing our hearts you know as we're keeping the main things the main things as we enter into this holiday so that we can get a revelation from God and go into the next year with a fresh revelation from God is to keep a watch on our hearts. And as I mentioned, you know, I battled being just offended with God. I mean, I, that was a subconscious thing. I loved him. I worshiped him. But if I was honest, I was hurt. I was, I was just hurt. And God brought me back again and again to John the Baptist. And Jesus said, no greater man has been born a woman than John the Baptist. And John was the one who saw the heavens open up over Jesus. I mean, this was his cousin. He was there when it happened. So when John was sort of thrust into obscurity, away from the action, when he was in a season of being sort of cut off, and, we're, and I'd say any great saint who's being prepared for any great work is going to go through a season of obscurity where it seems like they're a have not, where the promises don't seem to line up with their circumstance. And John says, sends his guys to say, will you ask him, are you the Christ or should we be looking for someone else? And I hear the compassion and conviction in Jesus' response where he said, you know, you go tell John, that the blind are still receiving their sight. You know, the, the deaf are hearing, the lame are walking. In other words, I am still at work doing a supernatural work, even if you can't see it. But he said, blessed are those 
or not offended with me. And I have to say, and I think this is hugely important, that instead of numbing out and trying hard not to feel your stuff, get it on the table. And for me, every time I've noticed that I'm hurt and that I have to sort it through because it's because the enemy starts, I maybe start buying into some of the enemy's accusations about God that are not true, right? Or he'll, did he really say, or how come he's not answering? And when I get to that place of surrender, I'm saying, you know what, Lord, I know you're a God who heals. I know that you're good. And as my friend said, if your story is not good yet, it's because God's not done yet. When I learn to surrender and say, not mine, but thine be done, shortly thereafter, I will also experience a surprise. Somehow I'll be surprised by his goodness. But that's why it's blessed are those to be envied. Um, is the one who's not offended with God, that you have somehow the maturity to say, even in the not yet, I'm not a have not. I possess all the promises of God, and I'm going to keep my heart tender towards him so he can speak to me. I feel like that's super important as we sort through all the losses, the hurt, hardship. The enemy would love for us to just kind of get numb, to kind of get disappointed and live in the shadows of that. But as I, you know, I, I feel like in the U.S. we're exiled to Babylon. I don't know if you feel like that in, in Canada, but I sure feel like we are in the time as Christians we've been exiled. And so I've been just looking at the Old Testament going, what caused the Israelites to be exiled? I mean, enough of an offense that God allowed them to be exiled. And that very first offense was they stopped listening. They stopped listening to him. You can only listen to one voice at a time. And since they stopped listening to God, it says their hearts got hard. Think about that. The consequence of not listening to God is a distract. When you're distractible, you're temptable. And when you're temptable, your heart will grow hard. And this is why it's so important to bring our hearts, our very precious hearts, our stories, our hurts, and let God do something about it. Oh, that's so good. I definitely think um, I've been thinking about that idea of a, a hard heart recently and how um, just like the soil in my garden out front, it has a natural tendency to harden. It's just with the weather and it, like, unless I cultivate it. So unless I go and start to tend that soil, it will get hard. And the same is true of our hearts. I think we can be very passive as Christians. Sometimes we just think, what's wrong with God? Like what's, what's wrong with like all the things he's doing? It's like, well, what are you actively doing to keep your heart soft? And I, mean, I know for me, it is, it is getting in the word. It is creating the space, preparing him room um, for just listening. And that will be those play times where I'll hear, um, maybe it'll be a whisper of conviction. It'll be something that's like, oh, I've been straying over here. I have been, I've had an offense against somebody. I haven't forgiven them or, you know, like whatever it might be, that is the place where he begins to soften my heart. And then um, the last one I have found, there's been a song that has been just felt like an anthem all year. It's by Brandon Lake called Gratitude. And in it, he says, come on my soul. Like, don't you get shy on me. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. And it's kind of reminds me of David in the Psalms where he begins to speak to his soul and kind of say, get up and praise the Lord. And, and that's been an anthem for me because when I have felt like, I don't feel like worship, I don't feel like this. And it's kind of this, how do you talk to yourself? How do you kind of coach yourself to say, I am choosing to praise you in the storm. I am choosing to praise you anyways. And there's something so powerful that happens um, when we participate in that, um, keeping our hearts soft with him, right? Like he, he always has the heavy lifting, but we can, we can sometimes expect him to do everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and it's funny that you bring up the soils because in Prepare Him Room, I, I, I love novel reading. So I like to create these little scenes that feel a little like you're reading maybe this out of a novel, but I, I created kind of three scenarios, four scenarios, but of women who are represented the soils, little Christmas 
moments where the one is not guarded, her heart's not guarded, the other one's not grounded, and the other one's not given to the things of God. And the fourth is fully given to the things of God. So you see Jesus coming on the scene in these different stories. And, and one of them where she's just re spewing her disappointments, she's rehashing her offenses, and the spirit kind of comes into her kitchen to just whisper hope in another way. And she considers it and she waves it away and does her own thing, you know. And then there's the one that she's this wealthy woman, she's sitting at her Bible study but she, the while the study you know instructor is teaching she's checking her phone but she wraps up and remembers maybe one word she said and she checks it off her list and she goes off and does her thing and wonders why the gospel never transforms her but then i have a scene where jesus shows up to the woman who's been waiting for him and he sits on the couch and they talk about her heart and what he's doing and about someone who needs her down the road just remember to check on her she needs you and i just love the the picture and the idea idea of a cultivated heart is a listening heart. It's a ready heart. It's an expectant heart knowing daily the heavens pour forth speech. And I want to be found listening so that I can be someone who responds. Oh, that's so good. I, um, I was reading some of your book to my husband last night and, um, you know, you know, when you read something, you're like, you got it, you got to hear this. Um, I love that you, uh, should have highlighted this line. Oh, I found it. Um, I'm just going to read this one section and it's from your first, um, your first advent day one. It says, what if you engaged your faith this advent season, decided to believe for the impossible, prioritize things, you know, are necessary. And what if you dared to lift your requests before the Lord are you ready to dream again? It's time for expectancy to make a comeback. And I love that because I think in this place where we felt weary and in this place where we felt like there's so much chaos and even being in that place of Babylon, um, what does it look like to dream? What does it look like to carry expectancy in our heart? And you even go on further to talk about that idea of having this expectancy uh, at the same time. Oh, I've just closed the book. If you're listening, you're going to have to forgive me. Um, it says great things happen in the heart of one who holds fast to faith, peace, and gratitude, all mixed with an essential dose of expectant hope. And so really we are people who are carrying a lot of things at the same time. And so I'd love to just wrap up our time together with, um, can you unpack for me a little bit of how do we how do we carry expectancy? How do we, how do we dream again? And how do we have hope in this season? Boy, that's such a great question. You know, I'm trying to think of which way I want to go because there's a number of devos that speak to that, but I'm going to go with the one that there's a watch day. I can't remember, but it's titled encountering Jesus. And there's two scenarios that I think are so important of where Jesus arrives on the scene. And the first one is when a, a bunch of Jewish elders arrive and say, Jesus, this Roman soldier um, has actually been a friend. He's been an advocate and he even helped build our temple. His servant is near death. And what's so amazing to me is, you know, that broke the, the status quo right there because normally these are two people groups that are divided, but because this Roman soldier did not misuse his power, he used his power to reach across the aisle, so to speak, that there was a mutual advocacy for i just think that is so powerful but but he but he understood authority he said i'm under authority and i have people under my authority so i understand your authority jesus and i also understand your majesty i'm not worthy to have you in my home the the juxtaposition of walking in your authority while always maintaining your humility is irresistible to heaven and and jesus was in awe of this man's faith and his humility and i think for us to move ahead with expectancy we need to quit putting up with so much from the enemy jesus said i've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you james 4 7 says submit to god resist the devil and he will flee from you and so often i hear that verse quoted out of context, just resist the devil and he'll go away. But that is not true. Submit to God is a military term and it means to get back in rank. And, and Watchman Nee says, you can't have authority 
unless you're under authority. So again, we need to pay attention to the condition. What has happened in our hearts? Because if you're out of rank, then you are open game for the devil. He's a legalist. And if he finds an opening, he's going to take it. So get back in rank and then resist the devil. And he has to flee. And that translates runs for his life. So if you were to peel back the sky, you would see a camp of Christians running for their lives because the enemy is roaring and intimidating them and they don't know their authority. And then you would see another group of Christians stomping their foot down and said, off with you now. And the enemy is running for his life because they understand I'm going to walk in reverence before God. And then I'm going to walk in authority and I'm going to stay in that place of humility so I can be a teachable soul so God can transform me. So that first story is amazing that, I mean, it got Jesus' attention and that young uh, slave was healed. And then Jesus visits the village of Nain. And this we find a woman, it's the worst day of her life. So she's already lost her husband and now she's lost her son. And in ancient Bible days, as you know, women needed men. I mean, they were especially vulnerable if they didn't have a son, a husband, a brother, or a father. So I want you to imagine not only the, the double grief of losing a, a husband and a son, but all that that meant for her. I, I kind of paint a picture again of her dragging her feet on this dirt road and trails of tears and the dustiness of her face and her guttural sobbing in her hands, just not knowing what to do, going, this is the worst day of my life. She's not crying out to God. She's just in the throes of grief. And Jesus steps right into her, her funeral procession and he raises that boy back to life. And there are sometimes your grief is so deep and your loss is so wide that you don't even have the strength to lift your head. And Jesus knows where you live. And I, I pray that expectancy could come back for you to go. It's not even about praying the right prayer. It's not about the formula. It's always about the condition of our hearts. But I serve a savior who will step in and interrupt a funeral procession. I serve a savior who, who will reach down and heal someone because this man understood authority and humility. So I just think if we can really find that place of, of a heart posture before God, humble, knowing and trusting that he's given us authority over the enemy so we can shut him down. You know, that if you look at Jesus in the gospel service over and over again, he wanted the disciples to really exercise their authority. But also if you're in that broken place to just trust, Jesus knows where you live. He knows your name. And I'm praying with all my heart, he steps into that place of loss for you. And he brings a, a healing and a redemption, you know, that just takes your breath away. Wow. Uh, well, I love that um, what you have, what Susie's just shared, that's what she has every day in her devotional. She has really this invitation and, um, and it's an invitation to be still with the Lord to, um, we didn't even get to, to one of the best parts, which, um, is just the invitation to fast from something as well. Um, fasting from maybe our, um, disappointments or things that, um, self-contempt overdoing it, trying to impress just different things like that. Yeah. 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 Daily fasting, um, in, a, from things that we would not have, have thought about. And I think that, um, this, while this is a Christmas devotional Christmas Advent, I think it actually could be really used year round just as a, um, a starting place, an invitation to God, I need some grounding, recentering. Maybe I have drifted as Susie said it, you know, it comes back to this heart posture. I think about David in Psalm 51, like I, um, what he is offering to the Lord, right? His broken and contrite heart, this, what does it look like to, um, to come to him. And that I think is really this beauty of Advent in this season. And as we, as we actively pursue creating space for him, he fills that space. And that's what we need. We, we are people who fill every single moment of the day with something, noise, conversations, information, excessive, excessive information. What does it look like to intentionally create space for him in this season, but really in every day so that he can fill it? We can be strengthened um, 
for all that he has called us to, all that he is inviting us into, um, both in 2021 as we end, end off this season, but um, moving forward. Susie, is there anything you would share as we wrap up for today? That we serve a very real God, and he's not only the one who put the stars in place, but he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And, and so the fact that he knows each star and calls it by name, and he knows your name and knows where you live, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. He is near. And I, I think I said this, but I have a friend who said, if your story's not good yet, it's because God's not done yet. You know, Jesus didn't break a promise when he said, life on earth is going to be hard. You know, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he did call us to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. And because he's overcome, it means we're going to overcome. So I, I love the phrase, let earth receive her king. I pray that you could enter into this season with a new expectancy. Because I would say no matter how long you've walked with God, I don't, no matter how seasoned of a follower you are, it is like you hold a Dixie cup and the ocean remains. There's so much more of God to know. So I dare you to ask him, increase my capacity to know you, Lord. Increase my capacity for love, for faith, for hope. I want to, everywhere my feet go, I want the kingdom of God to come in and through me. And, you know, you can have as much of God as you want. I don't know which famous dead guy said that first, but a number of them have said that. And it's just true. You can have as much of him as you want. I just agree with you. There's so many distractions, but if we could fix our eyes on Jesus and just say, do more in and through me, show me more about how you feel, not only about me, but the, my enemy and the lost and the hurting in the land and help me to be a bright light in a dark world. In Jesus name. Amen. Yeah. And Susie, thank you. Thank you for being on the show again and for encouraging all of us. Uh, where can people find you and where can they find your book? Oh, great question. So SusieLarson.com is my website. And I and I will just say Amazon is quickest. Uh, it's ChristianBook.com is cheapest. Uh, Baker, because we had uh, like 1,400 orders that we just off our website that we about killed ourselves to fill, we've changed it. So if you get on my homepage, so you scroll down a little bit, there is a link that will send you directly to the Baker website, but they're selling it for 30% off. And, and Baker, as long as supplies last and us, we get this 10 pack of cards. And so they're just really beautiful quote cards. They're all just differently designed. So we got a couple thousand of those packs left. Um, if you're so on that homepage, that link will take you to Baker 30% off. If you get to our store, we have a deal like five books, you get a free ornament or something like that. So, yeah. you know, but again, quickest Amazon, cheapest Christian book. And uh, if you want the book with the cards, go to the Baker site, or you'll find that link on our homepage. Awesome. Well, and I am airing this episode early because I want you to get a copy of the book. Susie and I were chatting before the show. They are going fast. So if you think you want to get it, you want to get it for a friend, when this episode ends, go over and grab it right now. Susie, thank you so much. And I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.